0: Hi, and welcome to our show, Forever Paranormal, with your host, Dr. Bill and Ed, where we will discuss such things as cryptids, UFOs, hauntings, angels, unsolved mysteries, government conspiracies and cover-ups, witchcraft, the metaphysical, and more, as well as stories sent in by you, our listeners. If we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. And you may be surprised by what all is connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988-Just-Reach-Out. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode, where we are going to talk about how some U.S. presidents not only have knowledge of aliens, but possibly have been meeting with them, and we're not talking about the ones that crossed the border. The possibility of ETs and knowledge and cover-ups has been big news lately, and we are going to follow this rabbit hole one more time. Hi Deb, anything new this week?
1: Hi. Hi. No, not really. How
0: about you? Oh, no. Just same old, same old.
1: How's the habituating of crows going?
0: Uh, Not very well. I don't (laughs) know what the deal is, but I know we have some ravens now. Oh, boy. From my research, it appears these meetings started on February 20th, 1954. This is when then-President Dwight D. Eisenhower went to Andrews Air Force Base to meet with an extraterrestrial ambassador. It's been recorded that Ike, which is Eisenhower's nickname, left his Palm Springs vacation in the middle of the night for an emergency dentist visit for a chipped crown while eating chicken wings. This seems pretty unlikely to me. I mean, a chipped crown can wait until morning, even for the president, one would think. The meeting with aliens is actually more believable to me than a middle-of-the-night dental visit for a chipped crown.
1: I don't know. Rich people can be strange like that.
0: Yeah, they can be, but it wasn't his normal dentist or anything else either. They had to introduce the guy the next day as, oh, this is the one that worked on the crown.
1: Okay. So, do we know who initiated this meeting?
0: No, we don't. But I'm going to put a few facts together and say that the extraterrestrials are the one that initiated the meeting after they buzzed the White House in 1952. Several times there was UFOs reported at the White House, if you remember. We talked about that in the earlier episodes. Mm.
1: An ambassador by definition is a chosen diplomat from a foreign country or a government, or it could just be a messenger. Either way, official, whether friendly or not. Were you able to find which it was?
0: A messenger or a representative? Um, I think a little bit of both, which we're going to delve into here in just a few minutes.
1: Friendly or not?
0: Well, we'll find that out here in a minute, too. Okay. But just to make things a little more confusing on this, one night on the night in question, the Associated Press reported that President Eisenhower died that night of a heart attack in Palm Springs. Two minutes later, the AP retracted that bulletin and reported that Ike was still alive. Imagine that. As a matter of fact, he didn't die until 1969.
1: How about that? The news was unreliable even back
0: then. And I bet you the weather was just as bad. <laughs> Before we get too deep in the weeds on this, I want you to remember that Ike's great-granddaughter, Laura, has confirmed the alien meetings in more than one interview. Yes, he met with them more than once. Let's take a minute to make a mental note here that Richard Nixon was Ike's vice president during this entire time in office.
1: Why are we making note of this?
0: You'll find out as we go on here. As we go on... We're going to talk about Nixon in depth, and he'll have an understanding of what's going on just from, just from being Ike's vice president, and it makes a little more sense, and it makes the connection of the claims of that time a little stronger in my book, a little less circumstantial, a little more basic evidence. The first meeting in 1954 was supposedly with two ETs with white hair, pale blue eyes, and colorless lips. These type of aliens are commonly referred to as the Nordics or Nords in the UFO community because they resemble Scandinavian humans. All of the discussion is said to have been made telepathically, so of course there are no recordings of any type. The Nords offer to share their superior technology and their spiritual wisdom with Ike if he would agree to eliminate America's nuclear weapons. They were afraid we might use some of our nuclear armament, which apparently does something to time and space, which impacts all extraterrestrial races on other planets. To me, this sounds more like interdimensional and not intergalastic.
1: If they met telepathically and there is no record, how do we know that is what went down? Is it just the great-granddaughter's word we're
0: taking? No, it's not just a great-granddaughter's word. We're taking the word of a lot of people who supposedly were th- that were there. Um, CIA agents, um, Secret Service agents, some psychics and things like that that actually worked for the CIA so they could, was this really telepathic or what was it? They were monitoring all kinds of airways and frequencies to see if, if they could find any kind of falsification of it. But again, that's Black Project stuff. Okay, well, it's said that Ike turned down the Nords as he wasn't willing to give up our nukes. Then, sometime in late 1954 or early 1955, he supposedly met with another group of aliens who made a similar offer. This time, he met with the Greys, Their offer was just a little bit different. They too offered their advanced technology, but in return, they wanted to be able to take some earthling cattle and humans for experimental testing. Ike supposedly agreed to this, provided the humans were returned unharmed. Well, we all know how that is not happening. We have some that have just disappeared from this planet, never to be seen again. But that is a tell for another time. Now let's remember that some UFOs buzzed the White House in 1952.
1: It still bothers me that, again, human life is expendable.
0: Of course human life is expendable. It always has been. We've we've discussed this, and it bothers me as well. But to our politicians, I don't believe sometimes it really means anything but votes. Following Eisenhower was JFK, who was assassinated in 1963, and Lyndon B. Johnson was installed as president. There is no record that JFK ever met with aliens. However, one of the conspiracy theories of his assassination is he found out about the CIA's involvement with them and was going to make it public. But let's take this one with a grain of salt, though. Lyndon Johnson supposedly went to Andrews Air Force Base in February of 1964 to meet with the aliens and possibly renew the treaty with them. I actually couldn't find any hard evidence of this, but I did learn that he did have a clandestine UFO project, which involved some scientists concluding they were real.
1: Is there a person vouching for this, or is there an actual record that you found?
0: I found no actual records, but the only people vouching for it are eyewitness testimonies. And, you know, we have to remember that eyewitness testimony will convict somebody in a court of law. So, is it credible or not? You know, actually, Johnson is still considered one of the worst presidents ever with his involvement in the of Vietnam. I mean, give the guy some credit. After all, he did bring the Civil Rights Act into action and moved it... Ford eons. Richard Nixon won the next election by a landslide. Did Nixon meet with aliens? Well, hell yeah, he did. He was a little arrogant and took credit for him and Henry Kissinger opening up trade between the U.S. and China and figured he could renegotiate our intergalactic treaty. That's not the big ET conspiracy with Nixon, though. Here are two known facts about Nixon. He was tight friends with the famous comedian and actor Jackie Gleason, and he was caught red-handed in the Watergate scandal.
1: Is it an official treaty?
0: I've never seen one signed, so I'm again, I'm just going by eyewitness testimony. And if it was an official treaty, then the government would have to give us disclosure and admit they were lying, right? So
1: 40 years later, maybe.
0: Yeah. I, not in our lifetime, I don't think. <laughs> Here's a quick overview of the Watergate scandal for those of you too young to remember. Watergate scandal began in, early, in the early morning of June 17, 1972, when several burglars were arrested in the office of the Democratic National Committee, located in the Watergate complex of buildings in Washington, D.C. This was no ordinary robbery. The Prowlers were connected to President Richard Nixon's reelection campaign. And they had been caught wiretapping phones and stealing documents. There was this huge saga on this when Nixon tried to help cover it up. Okay, so where and how does this tie in with Jackie Gleason? In some secret wiretaps. Yeah, the FBI even illegally wiretapped the President of the United States. Nixon was caught on tape in great detail, sounding like a gangster. We could get a million dollars, the president said. We could get it in cash. I know where we could get it, and I know where it can be gotten. It is not easy, but it could be done. But the question is, who in the hell will handle it? Nixon repeatedly discussed several methods by which as much as one million could be paid to the burglars without the payments being traced to the White House. The purpose of such payments in the president's own words, would be to keep the cap on a bottle, to buy his time, and tough it through.
1: Does he mention aliens on these tapes?
0: No, not at all. It's all about covering up what happened and getting the million dollars that he was being blackmailed for from the burglars to keep their mouths shut. But here are some well-known facts. Well, actually, they're facts. Nixon's famous golfing buddy, Jackie Gleason, was really into all aspects of the paranormal, and especially UFOs. He had an extensive library on all the subject matter, and even his summer house in Westchester County, New York, was built to resemble a flying saucer and was named the Mothership. As a matter of fact, we're going to put a couple pictures of that up on Facebook and our website of his house. Gleason offered $1 million to anyone who could provide physical proof of aliens visiting Earth on a paranormal-themed overnight radio show hosted by John Neville in 1973. Gleason was on that show many times between 1952 and 1973, and it seems Nixon now apparently had his way to get $1 million in cash. Gleason was a huge supporter and friend of Nixon, And apparently, they even used the same attorney. Oh, okay. I think I see where this one is heading. The burglars were paid in cash from an unknown source. But what did Gleason get in return? According to Gleason's ex-wife, Beverly McKittrick, in an interview she gave to the National Enquirer in 1983, she claimed that on February 19, 1973, Nixon took Gleason to Homestead Air Force Base in Florida, It's a fact that Nixon was in Florida at a golf tournament hosted by Gleason on that day. Gleason had a home on the course where the tournament was held and even had a small helipad in the backyard. That would make for an easy way in and out.
1: Are we sure this is not a case of a disgruntled ex trying to defame his character?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not the case. Um, Supposedly, this is... She had talked about this before the 1983 interview, and is one of the reasons that Gleason listed in his divorce. And she tried to reconcile their situation, and he insisted on divorcing her because she couldn't keep her mouth shut. The trip to Andrews Air Force Base was supposedly to show Gleason that he was told the remains of extraterrestrials and secure the one million needed for the Watergate blackmail. Beverly stated, I'll never forget the night in 1973, my famous husband came home, slumped, white-faced in an armchair, and spilled out the incredible story to me. He was late. It was around 11.30 p.m., and I had been worried. As soon as I heard his key turn in the lock of our golf course home in Florida, I jumped to my feet and asked, where have you been? He replied. His reply stunned me. I've been at Homestead Air Force Base, and I've seen the bodies of some aliens from outer space. It's top secret. Only a few people know, but the President arranged for me to be escorted in there and see them. Gleason went to tell her, and there were aliens lying on four separate tables. They were green and only about two feet tall, with small bald heads, big pointy ears, and disappropriately large eyes. They must have been dead for some time because they looked like they had been embalmed. You know what? This description to me sounds a lot like the aliens that were reported in the Hops- Hopskinville, Kentucky episode we talked about in 1955, from 1955 in episode 4. According to McKittrick, Nixon told Gleason that these were actually the remains of deceased aliens. She said that seeing this shook Gleason to the core he had difficulty sleeping for several weeks. He swore her to secrecy, but they soon divorced and she talked. When the Inquirer story came out, Gleason kept silent about the allegation until 1986. At that time, he invited Larry Warren, a ufologist and the author and eyewitness of the Randall Sham Forest UFO incident, which is a huge one over in England. The two men met at Gleason's New York home According to Warren, after a few drinks, Gleason repeated the story to him as fact.
1: So could it be possible it's just a drunken tale?
0: Oh, anything's possible, and he was a big drinker, but I don't know if he would keep it going for 13 years like that as a drunken tale Mm. and not telling anybody, but he never denied it either. Mm. He never once denied it can actually read about Beverly's interview with the National Choir on the TV website who ran the article while they were celebrating the success of the Honeymovers and doing reruns one time. It's still available on their website. But how far does this go? Which presidents know about this and which ones don't? Do they all? I really doubt that. The CIA is involved and I'm sure You're only privy to these and other things if you have the right agenda that coincides with theirs. Before closing this out, let's take a quick look at what technology was first called into or invented around 1950s. The microprocessor. That changed the whole world. Fiber optics. Again, it changed the whole world. Program stored and run computers. Again, it changed the whole world. Modems for transmission over telephone lines in 1954. The double helix of DNA, imagine that. Wireless remotes and a pacemaker, just to name a few. And remember, it wasn't long after this so-called exchange of technology that we were able to put men on the moon. We were able to put men up in space, land a module on the moon, and put a man on the surface of the moon but deb i'd like to get your opinion on all of this
1: without official proof or records i am very skeptical i mean countless reports state that aliens are light years ahead of our world i'm not sure how they know that but If that's true, and we've exchanged, unfortunately, human lives for technology, don't you think we would be much more advanced than we are today?
0: I don't know. We're pretty advanced. And we have a lot of technology that people don't even really know about. We've got invisible jets that are invisible to radar and stuff. That's pretty amazing technology. Um... Look at the heart surgery they did on me. That's pretty amazing technology. And maybe a lot of it has to do with they gave us access to this technology, but it's up to us to figure out how it works. We've got to reverse engineer it, and we've got to figure it out. They may have given us the basis of some things, but not all of it. I'm not sure, right?
1: Perhaps.
0: Yeah. Well, folks, this brings us to the close of this episode. And as always, we would like to know your thoughts on this. Just hit us up on the show notes. You'll find all our contact information. And we'd really like to hear what you think and your opinions on it. And until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode. And our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode.